Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for the Kansas Prevention Talks podcast. I'm Janelle, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Heather. Hello, everybody. We're part of Wichita State University's Community Engagement Institute and the Kansas Prevention Collaborative. We are also joined by our fantastic producer, Michelle Edwards. We want to hear from you and everyone listening. Send us your feedback or suggestions to kpcteam at wichita.edu. Let us know what you want to hear on the podcast. We have a wonderful interview today, but before we get to that, let's hear about August Prevention in Media. This month's Prevention in Media is the award-winning documentary, Bastards Road. Walking 6,000 miles around the country, Marine veteran Jonathan Hancock uses the solitude of road, of the road, and the company of his fellow Marine brothers and the families of their fallen to successfully manage the wounds of war that never fully healed. With remarkable honesty, insight, and humor, John's journey is uniquely positive. It's about changing the ways one relates to traumatic memories and about beginning the healing process. You can stream Bastards Road on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and Vudu. And now it's time to hear from our guest. Don't forget to stick around after the interview to hear this month's Coalition Spotlight. Our guest this month is Alexis Williams. Alexis Williams is a mother and a retired Air Force veteran, serial entrepreneur, and community leader. Having recently been a recipient of Bay Goods Business Grant and listed as a top Mississippi business to know on Oprah.com, she is a force and is making her own way with her one-of-a-kind Afro-Hawaiian clothing brand, Aloha Glamour. Hi, Alexis. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Janelle. Hi, Heather. Hello. Aloha. Aloha. Mm -hmm. We are so excited to have you on um, and hear more about your business, Aloha Glamour, and um, how you came the journey that took you into starting this business and where you're at now. Um, Your mission, or part of your mission at least, is to provide Afro-Hawaiian apparel and accessories that empower women of all sizes to live boldly. Um, And I promise for all of our listeners, you're like, wait, why, how does this have to do with prevention? Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to, we're going to connect the two. So we're really excited today to have you, Alexis. Thank you for having me. Yes. Can you start by just telling us a little bit about the journey that led you to start Aloha Glamour? Absolutely. So, you know, when people hear Aloha, they think of Hawaii, the beach, the sun, the rainbows, all of that. When I think of Hawaii, I think of that bright time, but there's also a dark time in my life while I was stationed in Hawaii. I was married for the second time to the same man. Um, I was pregnant in my 30s, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm about to have another baby. And my two children were already teenagers, so they could, you know, make their own cereal and get up whenever they wanted to. So I felt like I was starting over. And all of a sudden, I suffered a child loss. I was seven months pregnant, and me and my husband, we were going through a divorce. And my daughter, she died while I was stationed um, in Hawaii. So when I came, when I PCS to Mississippi, I didn't know what to do with those thoughts and those feelings. Um, my mental health was deteriorating. And in the African-American community, we don't talk about death 
We don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about suicide. We don't talk about any of that. So here I was drowning in my grief, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I started this brand, Aloha Glamour, to merge my daughter's African and Hawaiian heritage together, and I created this unique brand, Aloha Glamour. What a beautiful end to a very dark time. Right. And it's really admirable that you took, yeah, such um, a really hard part of your life um, and you moved forward with it in a positive way. And remembering your child that you did lose, you know, it's Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful testament too, still that that was a life. So that's incredible. Yeah. And that was most important for me, um, for people to remember my daughter's name, for people to know that she existed and she meant a lot. Although, you know, her time was cut really short, but she's still very much a part of my life. Alexis, what's her name? I'm sorry. I missed it. Her name is Lauren Taylor Williams. I refer to her as Lauren Taylor a lot because I feel like I was a brand. Like that should be the name of the brand. <laughs> yeah, like a very high end brand. Yes. Very much. Very yes, much. I love it. Although I do love your name that you've chosen. So can you tell us just a little bit more about that incorporation of both the African and Hawaiian culture into your business and how, what that looks like and what that means? Yeah, so I made up the term Afro-Hawaiian because in tracing my mother's lineage, I found out that we were descendants of Guinea-Bissau, which is right kind of close to Ghana, and Senegal. The Hawaiian piece came in because she would have been a Hawaiian uh, citizen. and. I've never seen an Afro-Hawaiian brand. Those, you know, two different, but yet they're both unique. They're both colorful. Um, They celebrate in color. Um, It's a lot like family. And it was very important for me to be true to who I felt like she would have been. Both very rich cultures as well. Very much. Did you already, were you already familiar with um, traditional African or Hawaiian prints or did you research all of that? Well, I've always loved the African prints. So when I suffered my loss, what happened was, um, I think this was like the 10th day I was in bed crying. And my best friend, Ebony, she came and she said, okay, we have to get you out of the house. So she took me to the Hawaiian flea market. And at this flea market, they sold Hawaiian pua skirts. And historically, the pua skirts are used for hulas, the hula dancers. So they perform in these hula skirts. And with me just going through the motions of life, seeing everything in black and white and gray, no color, as soon as I saw this pool skirt, I was like, oh, my goodness, look how beautiful it is. Look at all of this color. And I bought one, took it home, 
And when I put it on, I instantaneously, like it was so crazy, but I literally felt alive again. And I said to myself, I, I, to me, I no longer look seven months pregnant because it had these um, really strong elastic waistbands. It, it almost felt like a corset, like the top of the skirt was a corset and then you just see color. Um, as soon as I put it on, I said, you know what, we're going to use this as fashion. So I brought a few of them back home with me to Mississippi and I would wear them. Of course, people looking at me crazy <laughs> because I'm in Mississippi and I'm wearing all of this color. <laughs> and they're like, where'd she come from? But the other half were like, oh my goodness, I love your skirts. You know, where did you get them from? And I was like, why? Mm, and a couple of people said, well, if you sold them, I would definitely buy those. And I knew I was going back for my daughter's first birthday. To celebrate. Um, so when I went back to celebrate her birth, it's when I decided that same day, okay, I'm going to start this brand. We're going to sell Hawaiian um, skirts and bracelets and apparel. And it started out as strictly Hawaiian until about a year later, I was like, wait a minute, she's not only Hawaiian, but she's African too. So I merged the two and I glimmered it. I love that. I love how she keeps inspiring you. Yes. And I definitely believe in signs and, um, like you said, the inspiration. And I remember whispering as I was holding her, I said, you know, um, butterflies will be our symbol and your name, Lauren, will be our symbol. So when they first moved me to labor and delivery, um, the first nurse that walked in my room her name was Lauren so I knew then that she was still um with me I love that that's I'm sorry I'm, I'm an emotional person okay, me so too. I see y'all I'm, like, oh. I'm not about to cry yeah, I, I, I love, though, um, you were able to think <laughs> that's what I need. You were able to find something, though, that honored her memory, but also helped you. Because, as you know, as Janelle was saying earlier, that there was a dark time. But you've also been inspiring other people. I follow your Facebook page, which I love. And we're definitely going to put that Facebook page in our show notes. There's so It's so lively. I mean, I feel like you talk to everyone who talks to you. And, and you always have these great little like videos that come up, but it's so full of, um, to me, just life. And I, I really feel like you are very inspirational to other people and, and um, very willing to share um, and, and um, offer. And so to me, I, I'm just really, I was, I do, I, I stalk, I, that's not a good word, but I look at your Facebook page a lot and I'm always just like, oh. Gosh, you you just have so much energy and just I don't know where you get all the time and um, how you're so tender, but you're so, you know, just willing to just respond and just, you know, help how you can. But I really feel as though, you know, you found this your your business has offered so many things to not only just yourself, but those around you. And before this, before we started talking um, live, you were talking about how you're getting to go um, and visit with some of your employees. And um, I want to hear some a little bit more about that, because when you think about just how big this has become and how many people you are touching and showing that it's OK to mourn the loss, but also you got to celebrate life, too. So can you tell us just a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, with each order, with each pop up shop, with each sale, I do share um, 
my journey. I do share the story about Lauren and I really didn't understand the impact I had on others until I would receive like a random message or a random text message or a random email. I remember I was at um, two years ago, I was at a show in New Orleans. There were about 50,000 people there. And so many people came to my table and made purchases. But the next day, as I was just walking through randomly, this lady, she ran up to me. She was like, oh, my gosh, I bought something from you yesterday. And I read your story. And I'm just talking about it, it was like time stopped. Everybody around us was walking slow. And she's talking. And she said, you know, I never told anybody that I lost 11 babies and you know um you get me and I've had so many women come to me and say I've never told anyone but you so for me to be that that ear for them to understand that I do understand what they're going through I I felt alone I feel like I was the only person you know experiencing that loss as well like that really um warms my heart in knowing that I am helping someone else. And I just encourage people to tell their story because there is someone out there waiting to hear your story so they can get through whatever it is that they're getting through. It may not be loss or it may be loss of a job, loss of, um, you know, a sibling, a relationship, loss of a car. Like people deal with losses in totally different ways. And I just encourage people to share um, that story with someone because being resilient, especially in these times, COVID already isolated. We feel like we have nobody to talk to. Um, definitely reach out, share because someone's waiting to hear your side. Now talking about Africa. So when Africa, when COVID happened, I pivoted my business at the end of March. So I already sell African and Hawaiian clothing. So we need masks. Now, mind you, this is when the CDC is saying, no, fabric masks aren't going to work. Um, but they were also saying how there was a shortage, a shortage in medical masks. So what I do, I just follow my first my first um, intuition. And I met this guy on Facebook and I asked him if he could make me masks. I knew he was in Africa and it was important that I sourced from the place that I represent. And um, it just worked out. He started sending me African print masks and I would sell out in a day, like 24 hours. It got so overwhelming that he over in Africa was like, hey, sis, we need two new sewing machines. And I was like, OK, I'll buy you two new sewing machines. And then he said, OK, um, well, the first thing that happened was they moved from outdoors to into a building. So we were able to get them from working outside into a building. And they made this whole video. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they think the Aloha Glamour. That's so sweet. And then he said, well, we need machines. And I'm like, well, OK, buy some machines. And then he said, well, sis, can we hire two people? And I'm like, why are you asking me if you can hire people? This is your business. He said, no, we didn't have a business before you. Like, this is Aloha Glamour over here in Africa. And I'm like, what? Excuse me? That is so awesome. That is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, no, I, I didn't I didn't have a clothing business before you contacted me to do masks. Um, so we ended up hiring two um, more seamstresses to go into our building. Um, but we've also hired outside of our actual, I call it our fashion house, because we have people who can make our bags, our tags. Um, 
in our shoes. So in total, we have eight employees and those eight employees are responsible for like 38 different family members. So I tell people now, you know, my mission is the same, but it's changed as well. So now we're trying to sustain livelihoods in Ghana for 36 people. Um, so I'll finally be able to go and visit them next week. And I can't wait. That is so awesome. And it, it reminds me of something you said when I was looking through um, when I was looking through your page and, and constantly on your page, looking at different things. And you're talking about these great masks and how beautiful they are. And I actually wrote this down because I didn't want to forget it. Because sometimes when we get into crisis situations, we kind of get ho-hum. And I know out there for the longest time I put on was sweats and a sweatshirt. And I was just like, hmm. And I didn't feel very great. But you said, and I love this, just because there's a crisis doesn't mean you can't glam it up. And it really resonated with me. And I mean, I did. I even wrote it down and I have it on my uh, calendar so that I can remember, you know, because I do feel better about myself when I look presentable. (laughs) And it's only, and and I still, you know, from the waist down, no one sees me, but I still, I feel better if I'm just a little bit more put together. So that's awesome. Yeah. Another one of our statements is live your life in color. A lot of times, especially when I was going through that that tough time, like I literally had to drag myself out of bed. Like I would wake up and already feel defeated. So in order for me, you know how they say fake it till you make it? If I show you all my store, everything has color. So I would literally put on color. And as the day goes on, I start to feel like I'm dressing, you know, as women, we use our clothing to kind of show the world how we're feeling on the inside. So if you put on something dark and drab, of course, as you go about the day, you're probably going to be dark and drab. You see me, I got on this yellow shirt. It's gloomy and raining outside. But if we feel good, then that comes outward. So I always tell the ladies, you know, put on something glamorous and it'll come out eventually. That is so true. And I'm pretty sure that that is therapeutic advice that I've heard before as well. So just going along with that, like bright colors, colors make you feel certain things. Advertisers know that they play into it. So you might as well play into it too. Yes. Even when I used to go to my therapy sessions, I used to tell my therapist all the time, I said, if I come here one more time and you got on gray, <laughs> yeah. You need to live your life in color. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like, who's motivating who here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I love it. <laughs> and just going back to your journey and your story, that is how that skirt made you feel alive again. And, you know, that was the first sign that you were like, okay, color. <laughs> color is important. Color is key. <laughs> yeah, color is key. How has, um, how have you found celebrating both the African and Hawaiian culture uh, rewarding? Obviously, part of that has been growing the business in Africa. Um, but other than that, what are, what are some ways that you felt rewarded? Um, now is brand recognition. When people see African print, they automatically think of me, especially here locally. So if someone has something on, they'd be like, Lexi, is that yours? And I'm like, not that one. But, you know, it feels good that I have customers who have turned family members, um, 
I, I really don't like to call my customers customers because we really do become a family. Like a lot of my customers have my cell phone number and they'll text me and we text each other. Um, so for them to, if they see a pineapple, they automatically think of me or they automatically think of Lauren or um, they can be in a different country and say, hey, I saw a pineapple today and it made me think of you. Like that makes me feel good because I feel like when you think of Aloha Glamour, you think of the story, you think of the journey, you think of the resilience. And also, um, they're learning about Hawaii. They're learning about Africa. And they're actually going to be able to see it through me. Eventually, I want to be able to offer trips once a year to go to Hawaii and to go to Africa, you know, so they can really put their hands and reach out and touch the inspiration that has inspired um, my journey. It really sounds like you learned a lot um, about culture and it really helped you to be resilient. And now you're also trying to help others be the same. So do you think that learning about the culture has made a big difference in um, continuing your resiliency? Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of times we don't know where we're going because we don't know where we come from. And even if, you know, people trace their lineage and they're not from Ghana, it's still a piece of, it's a journey from going from the U.S. back to Africa. It doesn't matter what part you're from, the the gate of no return is in Ghana. So they've come through Ghana, their ancestors, to get here. What advice would you give to somebody who's wanting to start learning more about their culture? I would say research. Lately, I've been having conversations with the older generation in my family. And now that I'm old enough to be in grown folks business, you know, when you're a child, you really can't ask, you can't ask questions, you can't do a conversation. But mm-hmm. now I'm old enough to be in grown folks business, like I'm really learning a lot now that I'm back. So it's almost like a puzzle. Like you just take these pieces and you start putting it together. There are different um DNA sites that you can go to. I personally did African ancestry because they key in on um, the country in Africa and the specific tribe. Um, but I do plan to do, what is it? I think it's 23 and me or something like that. There's something like that. Yeah. So I can get more of the um, U.S. history so I can put those two together. Alexis, it seems like a lot of people have recognized a lot of your great work. And in January, you were the recipient of a really cool relief grant, the Beyonce Award, Bay Good. And I know I did not say that well, and I'm not even going to try, but oh my gosh, how incredible. Tell me some more about that. It's so funny because I almost didn't apply. And my friend was like, no, you need to apply for this. Uh, Yeah. So I applied and I woke up. I went to the, my back office on um, Shopify, and I was like, Beyonce.com, it tells you where your customers are coming from. And I'm like, that's coming from Beyonce.com. Then I click on Beyonce.com, and I see, um, oh, before that, I saw in Yahoo, it said congratulations. I was like, congratulations? What? Like, I just, maybe it was too early. I don't know what it was. Um, but once I realized that I was a recipient of the baby, I said, Queen B, the queen. The queen. <laughs> she knows you. <laughs> so, yes, 
Um, that was. If I'd have got an email from Beyonce. I'd have. Who is messing with me? Who is messing with me? I know. I said, "Where is Ashton? We have to be on the next episode of Punks. Is that still out?" But I, I, I was too excited. But it only lasted for twenty four hours. Like I give myself twenty four hours to to celebrate, and then it's back to work. Was that like a I made it moment, or like I'm here? I've done something. Well, I, I, I definitely felt grateful, and I felt excited that Queen B has recognized me and. I was a recipient of her grant, but you know, the sales didn't equate to me being uh, posted on Queen Bee. So, had I sold out, then I would have been like, oh my goodness, right? But, you know, I'm very happy that Queen Bee gave me the grant and she put me on her website and stuff like that. But, I gotta sell this inventory because, again, we sell this inventory, we're giving back. You're hiring more people. We want to see her wearing one of your uh, skirts at the next yeah. like award show or something. Yeah. We need to do a petition. That's what we Ooh. need to do. Let's yeah. do that. And then yeah, you know, I'm on board. What's crazy was the next month, I was on Oprah's website as one of the 10 businesses to know in Mississippi. So it's like, okay, who's going to post me next? It's going to have to be um, odd. It just has to be. like The, right? the Obamas are going to be Obama. like at your yeah. door knocking. The Obamas, <laughs> yes. The, the, the daughters, they're going to be like, hey, I want to look really good when I go to college. Yeah. Help me out. Help you. Right. <laughs> so, um, Shell Obama, y'all, Aloha Cleaver. Call Alexis up. Okay. She's waiting for you. <laughs> All right. Well, Alexis, this has been so fun getting to talk to you more and hear more about not just Aloha Glamour, but also about the journey that led you here and um, really focusing back on just what you were saying earlier about sharing your story because it is going to reach somebody. Um, And like you said at the very beginning, um, a lot of cultures, including Black culture, do not talk about death and dying and sadness and grief a lot, loss. Um, so that's why sharing our stories are so important. Absolutely. And you, I mean, when you're in that dark place, I know it may feel like nobody's there for you or you don't know who you can reach out to. There are agencies, there are numbers that you can call because mm-hmm. had I stayed there and soaked in my grief, I wouldn't have reached my purpose. I wouldn't have had a little glamour. Um, you wouldn't have had an outlet for Lauren to be remembered, right? Absolutely, they wouldn't know Lauren's name. People would not know Lauren's name. I would not have come across you all. You all would not have come across me had it not been for I grief. Had it not been for my purpose. So, just know that's just a season. If you are feeling some type of way, it, it's a season. Get through that so yes. you can really focus on that purpose Mm -hmm. because there is a purpose definitely thank you so much this month's coalition spotlight i'm sharing with our listeners harvey county defy the brief history of the coalition includes that in 2017 mirror was invited to the table to join a group of public and private citizens that were concerned about youth substance use in harvey county 
At that time, there was a readiness to establish a coalition that could begin reducing underage drinking and drug use in their county. These community leaders joined in by tapping people on the shoulder and inviting them to be a part of the coalition. With the 12 sectors in place, along with Mirror's very successful youth development program, STAN, formerly known as YAR, having a very big presence in the community. Receiving the KPCC planning grant was just the start we needed, and within six months, they applied and were awarded the Drug-Free Communities Grant along with the KPICI Implementation Grant. Today, Defy Coalition has over 100 members with 25 to 30 very active members. Concerning the strategic action plan, many sectors are carrying out this plan within schools, the community, businesses, faith, youth serving organizations, the health organizations, law enforcement, and of course, youth. Stand has maintained youth engagement through the pandemic with over 100 youth involved with 1,000 of the community and school impacted this year. It has been a joy to see the growth and the ownership of the work and what's being done to help our youth in our community. Harvey County Defy, also known as Drug-Free Youth Coalition, is committed to growing a healthy community through the reduction of use of alcohol and other drugs by their youth. The Defiant Group covers Harvey County, which includes Burton, Halstead, Heston, Newton, and Sedgwick. Stand is also present in Peabody. When When I asked the coalition what they were most proud of, they said they are most proud that a community like theirs with some real challenging, with real challenges in tackling the issue together. The engagement of the sectors is tremendous. Their schools are implementing evidence-based programs, innovative new promising practices, and they include everyone within the strategic planning sessions. Law enforcement hosts a variety of trainings for the county SROs on keeping it real. A local coffee shop owner is implementing evidence-based practices into her after-school program for fifth and sixth grade students. She is also providing a weekly community meal with the help of our faith community. Defiant provides tabletop tents for parents to talk to their kids about a variety of issues related to the youth and health during those meal nights. Stand presents to the after-school group on the dangers of vaping after volunteers reported that the youth were talking about vaping. What they would also state is they would be remiss not to mention Stand, their youth group, has an incredible impact through these peer leaders in six district high schools and are having in their community and school a lasting impression. In October 2020, Stan was tweeted out by the First Lady for their work in keeping their communities drug-free as part of her Be Best campaign. One of our most, most proud moments in 2020 was when we were selected by the Office of National Drug Control Policy, ONDCP, for a site visit. We were one of the nine from over 700 coalitions in the nation to receive this attention due to to the tour highly engaged youth and schools. The purpose of the visit was to learn from our success and share with other coalitions in the nation. During the site visit, they they listened to six focus groups and sector representatives on the dialogue on how the coalition is changing the community, and they were extremely successful in doing so. They truly are all in this together and the power of local people, both young and old and everything in between to create a significant community change has just been amazing. Harvey County data is moving in the right direction and for that, they are grateful. To learn more about the Coalition Spotlight and Harvey County Defy, please go to the KPC website at kansaspreventioncollaborative.org. Prevention Talk listeners, join us next month to learn all about another coalition in Kansas.
Thank you for listening this month. We hope you found it to be a good use of your time and energy. We are always looking for other good topics for discussion. If you'd like to be a part of our podcast or know of a good topic you'd like to listen to, hit us up at kpcteam at wichita.edu. From myself and the rest of the Prevention Talks team, thank you for the incredible work you do for our state. Thanks for building up your community, problem solving compassionately, and pouring the best of yourself into everything you do. Be kind to each other and be kind to yourself.